0: The news never sleeps, and neither do we. Wake up now with Zerlina and Jess on
1: Signal Boost. Welcome back to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. at 8 o'clock on the East Coast. And it is Monday, April the 11th. Uh, we are joined on the phone, I think, right now, by Ryan Riley, <laughs> So, Excellent. NBC News uh, justice reporter who is covering everything related to january 6th and the doj writing a book on the fbi's investigation um called manhunt which i am excited for that because uh, you've been following all of wait. the you know vigilant well not vigilant vigilant it's not vigilant it's not the right <laughs> what do, word what, but do, what like, do we call
2: C- citizen sleuths is, uh, is the okay. yeah, yeah.
1: No, no, no 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 that's
0: better i like that better well they, yeah like they, if they went to arrest frame. the guys themselves then maybe we'd be calling them vigilantes. But all they're doing is turning over information to the proper authorities, <laughs> which is the way it's supposed to go if we're all participating in the system.
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they've been providing a lot of info. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, every every few days I talk to someone else and they're like, oh yeah, this is like really having an impact on the investigation. It's pretty incredible. And also speaks it to some problems perhaps long-term for the FBI. Uh, that they're maybe falling behind a little bit here. They shouldn't
0: need us, is the thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm I'm glad all the ex-girlfriends and dental hygienists of the world are on the case. Like, I really am. (laughs) Like, they've been wildly helpful, but, like, we shouldn't need that. (laughs) Okay, so what we were talking about before you came on was the evidence that we're starting to see that maybe a DOJ investigation is in fact happening? Like, let's talk about that. Where do you see things? What are you what are you reading between the lines to, to
2: learn? Yeah, I think, I mean, so the Ali Alexander news, I think, is significant. Um, one of the reasons that this investigation is just sort of complicated is because of all of the First Amendment issues that it brings up. So this idea that they're actually investigating organizers behind the rally that preceded this riot is significant because I think that that means that they cleared some hurdles internally within DOJ uh, that were, you know, they are set up basically to make sure that First Amendment rights are protected. Because despite the fact that this was a protest, again, like this is a protest in support of a lie, right? Like, but the fact that it was in support of a lie isn't something that you can distinguish from a legal perspective. So it's not right. as though you can pick and choose which issues are being supported. So if they had just had, you know, a rally um, just around this this lie, perfectly legal, perfectly uh, above above board um, from a legal perspective. But I, th- you know, the issue is here when they get into communications and how much knowledge these organizers of these events that preceded the riot had about the potential for this to get violent, potential for this to turn into something. And that's when you get into more of like the space around this idea of occupying the Capitol because that's when you crossed that line, and that's right. when you've you know, gone across that barrier that, like, isn't First Amendment protected speech anymore. So it is a delicate balance, I will say, that DOJ has to sort of pull off here because as much as we might, you know, realize now that so many things were pretty obvious, as so many people thought the election was stolen, it seems pretty obvious that some people were actually going to do something about it on January 6th. Um, it's just, you know, you have to make sure you're not getting into First Amendment protected speech territory.
1: When you When you think about um where that line is crossed from protected speech to like okay this could be criminal conduct um and and you hear the news that there's a grand jury looking into this does that feel like a investigation into the planners or the participants <laughs> i know <laughs> alexander is sort of like he's he's not at the top he's a planner um allegedly Um, And based on public reporting was involved in some of the planning, but he was also like closer to what a participant sort of the actions a participant took that day um, than, you know, the people who were just in the Willard Hotel. So where how should we think about this news in terms of the size and scope of the investigation or will we not even know any of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think he's this key link. I think you're, you're right. He is this key link between sort of both sides, as well as members of Congress, which is another thing that is like a red flag, which would be, you know, internally in terms of the DOJ investigation, like getting into what members of Congress were doing is another like, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes here situation, I think, for for DOJ, because then you're talking about, you know, the congrats like there's just a bunch of constitutional issues that come up around this because even though it's in support of this effort to overturn the election it's perfectly valid or not valid but it's perfectly legal for members of congress to um want to oppose the lawfully elected president right like it, right. The, you can't, the doj can't be deciding like oh this was legitimate this was illegitimate in terms of what the factors were into the decision making process that went behind some of the members of congress opposing the certification of the election results like that can't be a part of this i think that more comes into play when you're talking about say you know trump trying to interfere in georgia and whether or not he actually believed the lies about the stolen election or whether he was like actually in- engaged in I mean, it was a corrupt effort either way, but whether he was engaged in something that he knew was basically stealing, trying to steal an election as opposed to um, believing, you know, these lies about the stolen election. That's when you get sort of more into like the questions about Trump's mind frame become um, be- become more relevant. But I, you know, broadly speaking, it's this investigation. I do think it means that they found enough to move forward and get to that next stage of the investigation and cross over that threshold and any internal, um, issues that may have been raised, because I do think there, you know, some hesitancy to get into this First Amendment protected space, especially when you have so many members of Congress already making, you know, heroes out of people who actually committed violence on January sixth. Right. So you already have this, you know, this 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 political movement now that's united against any prosecution of January sixth, and and you see that in right wing media. You see that. Um, on Capitol Hill, making these people out to be martyrs. Um, I think that that's something that they're going to be very um, aware of, because there is this constituency out there just ready to believe that DOJ is overreaching. So, you know, this, this investigation into Ali Alexander and this grand jury process makes you think that there's there's some something there. They found something in terms of something knowledge ahead of this that would have indicated that, you know, this was um, some sort of thing that wouldn't be protected by First Amendment speech that predated uh, January 6th itself.
0: Interesting. So how how much weight are you putting on the January 6th committee's decision to refer criminal charges against Donald Trump to DOJ? Or do you think that, like, DOJ is going to do its thing, and whether the whether the committee makes its referral or not is ultimately immaterial to the outcome.
2: Yeah, I do think that, you know the point you raised uh, in the earlier segment just about this idea of optics is is a part of this because you know how much does it really matter that you know and that, would that look like they were Congress is trying to lead DOJ's hand? I think that that's something that. Um, you know, DOJ certainly kind of wouldn't want, and I don't know if Congress would necessarily want, or the committee rather, um, looking like they were basically trying to lead them, you know, here's where you need to go with this. Uh, But it sort of pulls in both directions because, you know, there is this idea that, okay, a criminal referral is is newsworthy. But how many people's opinions is that going to shift? I don't know, right? Like, and I think that in terms of the DOJ investigation, what's, I think, going to be more of an issue here is that, there's not going to be this like moment like there was with the Mueller investigation based on how things have come out so far. Because with the Mueller investigation, you had this referral and this eventually all became public because there was this, you know, special prosecutor essentially that that was investigating this. Um, Mueller was able to put this report to, to rather to, um, to the attorney general and that was the report that became public. Um, initially, you know, obviously, <laughs> William Barr sort of, muddied the waters with that initially because he basically did his own little summary of the report and then the actual report didn't come up until months later. Um, But I do think that, you know, we're not going to have that moment thus far in this investigation because it's all being handled just sort of on the regular track. There's not going to be this moment when, you know, say the U.S. attorney's office in D.C., which is heading up this, uh, the investigation into January 6th, isn't gonna like make public a report that says, hey, here's what we told Merrick Garland and then Merrick mm-hmm. Garland decided X, right? That's all gonna stay or should stay internal. Um, so that's like gonna be a little bit of a break from this. So if there's this ultimate decision not to prosecute Donald Trump, we're not gonna get this like readout of why exactly. Um, or if there's a decision to prosecute you know that's also all that internal stuff isn't going to likely become public unless there's um, some sort of trial.
1: So in terms of the big development, I wanna sort of establish whether or not this was like the very first moment that we were made aware publicly that there is a grand jury as opposed to like the committee, right? So the committee, that's the investigation we've been paying attention to. That's Liz Cheney um, and, and Benny Thompson. Um, looking into all of this that's the hundreds of witnesses that's Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner coming in to testify Um, and that that could result in a criminal referral or may not the news to establish just like and set the floor for people on Friday is that the DOJ is doing something without the criminal
2: referral right right this has been like more, it's been like more over the past few weeks, this idea of the federal grand jury uh, that was recent, like paneled to investigate the attack. I think that's more of the recent development. And it, it is confusing because there's been so many grand juries around January 6th, but this is one that's specifically looking into some of the organizers and looking into, for example, it was reported by the New York Times, I believe probably a week ago, this idea that they are looking into VIP um, attendees. Um, and you know, this idea that they're looking into all you know efforts to obstruct influence impede or delay uh, the certification of the presidential election which again gets like gets into the kind of that dicey territory mm-hmm. um where you first like they're i think they're very aware of the first amendment implications of that and where that where that line is they do have to you know tread pretty carefully because even speech that you know say before the idea of like fighting right like fight for something is very much in the political mm-hmm. realm even though you right. look at that I mean there's just a lot of tripwires I think that they have to be uh, be aware of but at the same time you know an effort to actually obstruct um certification is is a, in a different realm so if there is this idea uh, you know there's there's a huge huge difference between someone planning a rally um on you know say in like legally a permitted rally outside of the capital versus like occupying the capital. I think that's basically where that where that line is going to be. Like this idea of like storming the Capitol, mm-hmm. illegal to plan, right? Like, but being outside the Capitol, okay to plan. So that's sort of where I think they have to draw that line.
0: What What did you make of Trump saying in one of these uh, interviews with with right wing media that he's done that he tried to walk to the Capitol with everybody, but Secret Service wouldn't let him? Like did that seemed silly for somebody who might be a (laughs) defendant at some point in exactly what you were just talking about what was
2: your take on that yeah I mean I mean it also just like from the secret service perspective that's a nightmare you can't you can't just do that you can't just like and you know he, he had been president for four years like you know he went to the rally and like he was standing behind bulletproof glass and they had everyone screened to a certain point so that the crowd that wasn't screened was, like, really, really far back. Too far away, right. Yeah, exactly. So, like, everyone who was in that key area had been, you know, gone through the security process, that sort of thing. And, like, you can't just do that. You can't go amid a crowd, which we knew had, we know had weapons in it, right? Like, we, like, you know, we're, like, you had people gear. like, the idea of him walking alongside some guy, like, wearing a gas mask and a bulletproof <laughs> right. vest. Right. Like, it's just, like, great, like, it's insane. Like, you know, like, and that's, like, it's, like, oh, man, Secret Service weren't let me. Like, yeah, like, they didn't let I mean, not that that crowd would have went after him anyway, because that's who they're there to support. But no, you can't just like put the president out in the middle of like a crowd of people who are like breaking into the Capitol or prepared to break into the Capitol. Um, So yeah, it was sort of a wild... um, explanation that i don't think you know helped his helped his case that he was actually planning to go down there but you know i i, I that was you know I, when he said that during the speech i i've always sort of gathered that it was like oh i'll be like i don't know with you in spirit was kind of the implication yeah. but apparently it wasn't apparently he right. actually wanted to walk down
1: that's funny one of the questions i have though is that as you explain sort of This um, the line that, you know, all of the investigators need to to figure out whether or not it was crossed versus like, are we just having a rally versus are you, you know, storming the Capitol for for the explicit purpose of stopping the certification does what he was doing um, during the insurrection. So this is where I think the January 6th committee can be helpful, because like, I don't know how far the DOJ is in their investigation, but I'm assuming that they're not as far as. Jan Six committee in terms of what Trump was doing during right because of all the Hmm. witnesses they brought in you know even most recently Ivanka who I mean I I don't know what she told them in over eight hours like seems like Liz Cheney said on the Sunday shows that she was very helpful so I'm assuming she gave incriminating information or helpful (laughs) information so that they could get a better idea of what he was doing during does that information help investigators Figure out whether that line was crossed, um, and what I mean is like you know if we know during the insurrection he's calling people on Dan Scavino's phone. Let's just like use that as a hypothetical alleged scenario, um, you know, to tell them to persuade Tommy Tuberville and all these other senators to keep keep at it, keep at it, keep stop stop you know like while the people are banging on the door, right. Like, and, mm-hmm. and as they're coming in, and obviously the insurrection happens, all the Congress people have to, like, flee to safety. But during those hours where they're marching up, they're breaking in, those actions, does that take it outside the realm of the free speech situation? If, if never, I, I think so it... Congress and others were involved in that part of it.
2: It yes it, yeah it potentially could and I think that like broadly speaking the thing that the the com- committee investigation can really do is sort of crack open the door to places that the DOJ investigation might not be able to go just based off of like so if you're running a grand jury there has to be like the criminal element as a key component of it you can't just have like this wide span okay let's let's interview everyone and let's see what happened you mm-hmm. have to have that like mm-hmm. nugget of criminal like, you know, a a potential for criminal activity. So you have to, it has to be very tied to a a potential violation of federal law, whereas the committee can just like basically interview everyone and see what they come up with. So I think that that is like one way to think of this is like the committee sort of cracking the door open to where areas that might be more limited on the DOJ side where they could, you know, where they can't necessarily explore. And that in evidence from the committee can be sort of then sprung to the public. And once it's in the public realm, then it's sort of free game for, for DOJ, uh, to take that. So I think that like, there's almost an ability for the committee's investigation to aid the broader, uh, criminal investigation into this matter.
0: Nice. So looking in the last couple of minutes that we have at the, um, uh, less at the organizing aspect, more of the perpetrating aspect. You have been watching the trials of the first January 6th defendants who are being processed. We saw one acquittal. The judge seemed to buy his idea that he thought the cops had let him in. Is that something that you're expecting to see play out over additional trials or was that a one-off? How, how do you feel like that process is going?
2: Yeah, so there's been two uh, there's been two separate tracks for these. There's been two uh, bench trials, meaning a judge has just held uh, heard the case, and then there's been uh, two jury trials. We're awaiting the verdict in the second jury trial um, at this moment. The the jury will be back deliberating. They started um, at midday Friday, so we should see a verdict potentially in that case today. Um, with this other case that was decided by a judge, I think the important thing here. To note is that this is someone, this is Trevor McFadden, he's a 2017 uh, Trump appointee uh, who's been pretty skeptical about some of the misdemeanor DOJ cases that have been brought forward um, and, one, and made some comparisons about Portland, about whether or not DOJ is sort of being even handed in these investigations. So that's sort of the broader context of this. In the first trial, it was just a situation where you had this uh, Cowboys for Trump official who actually had a videographer with him. And when he went before Judge McFadden, the government presented all of this evidence. Like he literally had a videographer tracking him the whole day. So here's the evidence of him stepping over several police lines, right? Here's the evidence of him climbing over a gate. So the evidence was just like overwhelming. Even in that case, uh, Judge McFadden, only convicted him of one of two charges. Um, and, you know, just because the evidence was like knocking you over the head, he didn't acquit him of uh, the uh, being unlawfully on on uh, the grounds of the Capitol. Um, in this other case, he actually was open to this argument. And although he said that he believed that more likely than not uh, this defendant uh, who was actually a federal contractor with a top secret security clearance, um, this defendant knew he shouldn't be inside the Capitol. He said that was more likely than not, but it didn't. He what he said is that in his view, it didn't pass the threshold of um, him being, you know, of this being like a slam dunk case. Uh, this didn't pass the threshold uh, of this being beyond a reasonable doubt. He said that there was some sort of potential reasonable doubt that he thought he could be inside the Capitol or thought he was invited in um, by police officers. And and the video basically shows this lone police officer um, and he's like trying to communicate with someone as this mob sort of like rushes in. Um, It's it's tough to say from that video that, you know, as this alarm is blaring, as there's smashed windows, like literally on the door. But what this defendant tried to claim or the story that he came up with was that, oh, he was like looking at his phone when he was recording this. He didn't see the broken windows he oh not sure if he remembered the alarm going off so he sort of had these explanations for everything even if it you know just on using common sense didn't doesn't seem yeah right. it doesn't seem right but that was what he at least gave the judge who i think has been very skeptical of these cases enough of a reason to be able to claim to not you know to not <laughs> convict him in this uh, in this scenario so yeah, I think he gave that judge what he wanted. The first case wasn't it because the evidence was just overwhelming, but this case was a little bit different and gave uh, Judge McFadden, I think, what he wanted, which is a reason not to convict uh, a defendant in one of these cases. All right,
0: so so, so if we can't extrapolate <laughs> to, I mean, I, like, I just wanna know what's gonna happen next? Like, what, are, what is the thing that you're waiting for? Like, what tells you we're in a new stage now? Like, what is the, what is the piece of news that you are watching for most closely?
2: Well, I do think that, like, we're still very much in the beginning of this investigation. So we've had, we're not even to 800 arrests yet, and the total universe of people who either unlawfully entered the Capitol or who assaulted police officers outside is very close to nearing 3,000 now. Oh, my gosh.
1: Wow, I didn't realize we were so far. No. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So there are 2,500 people who went into the Capitol, at least. Um, and then there's like, right now, if you go to the uh, FBI's website, you're going to see 250 people who haven't been arrested, who assaulted police that day. You're going to see 350 people total who committed violent acts who are still wanted and haven't been arrested. Um, so it's a big universe and we're very early on in the process and we're only four trials in, we've got like 225, I believe, uh, conviction or, uh, guilty pleas at this point, but that's still just a fraction of a fr- right? Like, so you talk about that. That's like, Ten percent, right, of like do, of the total universe here. So it's we want to be an FBI problem. agent. I mean, do we need my first more jobs like, and Geez. dental
0: hygienists? Like, <laughs> it's like, do they know where these people are? They just haven't picked them up yet because they're so busy, or are they just like, are have we lost them?
2: Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of tips that are sitting in the FBI's inbox right now. Um, like, I there are literally, I wrote a story last week. There are literally hundreds of these people who have already been identified, not prosecuted yet. Um, and it really is just like a, a pure, um, a bill, like it's it's everything's getting log jammed right now because they don't have necessarily all of the resources that they need. Remember, like the federal court DC only deals with a couple hundred cases typically a year, and we're already like far past that, like just over a year in, right? So like, this is like more than double what they're normally uh, handling. So this is a lot of cases and, it's, you know, involves a lot. There's just an, also an overwhelming amount of evidence in all of these cases. Like just, right. a, it's, a, it's it really is the largest investigation in terms of defendants and in terms of evidence that has ever happened in, in FBI and DOJ history um So it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> you know, right. even if you look at the nine eleven investigation, you're talking about a limited right. number of defendants and like right. also digital evidence wasn't as big as it was then. Right. So like you're talking about like terabytes of information and an overwhelming number of defendants.
1: No, it has to be. It's completely insane. I mean, I listen. When I saw all those people storming the Capitol. If I'm the hiring manager at the DOJ, I might start making a <laughs> list. I'm just gonna say, like, I, I feel like I, you know, like you see that happening, and you're like, I'm probably gonna be busy. Yeah, right? well, there's gonna well, remember, be a lot of I people
2: I have to prosecute. I, I did I, they not I, plan the, at the beginning of this? Remember, though, like, there was this number that floated out there, which I think is still stuck around for a lot of people. Like, it was like, okay, 800 entered the capital, right? And Yes. Like, everyone thought that for a long time and no it's like almost triple that right that's so it's like crazy. It's a lot of people it's a lot of people it's actually yeah it is triple that so i mean you know that's a lot of that's a lot of investigative resources doj is now you know the new budget request is out from the biden administration and they're asking for like doubling of the the prosecutorial resources and asking for like you know double the budget so it's a lot it's going to be a lot and i think that this is going to have broader implications just as an investigation for um for the fbi for doj and just for like digital investigations going forward because of the overwhelming amount of evidence here you've never seen a crime that was like this documented right like it was you know, on live like, television angle. i've
1: never seen it insert- right i've never seen and then every individual has their own phone like i, ne- I yes. never yes. i i never saw There have been a lot of live events. There have been a lot of tragedies on live TV. There have been, but I've never, from beginning to
2: end, this was a whole all day event where we never. Yeah.
1: I mean, because we have done this like for months and months. get there after the thing.
2: Correct. And people who have been doing this for months and months are still finding new videos. Like, they'll be, like, like, even now, there's like, oh, there's a brand new video that has like 200 views on YouTube that no one's ever seen and is now part of the investigation. Yeah.
0: So this is why you're writing a book. Yes, yeah, There's a want to put in there. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to go in there. I am so excited to read this thing. thank you so much for your reporting throughout all of it. We have really appreciated you, yeah. Ryan Riley, NBC News Justice Reporter, uh, looking forward to manhunt when we get it. and also um, any any new developments that makes this all a little bit easier to follow would also be helpful. We're also looking forward to for that. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks so much for having me. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast.
1: Thanks for listening.